0: Welcome to another episode of the Walking Closer Podcast. This is episode 54, I titled this episode, False Barriers, Discovery, in God's Love. So I've been on this kick with wanting to talk to people about their mental visualization of God. I have a good one for you today. This title represents this journey, this conversation, this invitation into the sacred space with Uh, a couple who are married and have come from very different backgrounds, and yet you can see how the divine has worked and continues to move within them both together. So this episode is the first of a two-part conversation, and I'm excited to share this with you, to give you some insight and a window into this sacred moment. And so sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, guys, I'm sitting here with Nate and Kate, or Nathaniel, and Caitlin uh, Smith. I've known Nate for a little over seven years, uh, and Kate for a little over almost two years. Yeah. Almost two years, right? I yeah, think almost guys, three, actually. Almost three? Yeah. How long have you guys been married? Two a in November. In, yeah, oh, two Yeah, two in November, but... <laughs> okay. So... Yeah three years over like two years almost three years there we go so anyways these are good friends of mine i wanted to sit down with both of you specifically together because the one you're married but both of you had different backgrounds uh different upbringings in some ways uh i think that you really represent a lot of people out there who are couples who have have completely different journeys and but yet you've You've joined together, and now you're on a journey together, right? And there's these things that you kind of bring to the table. And uh, so I think that it can be extremely beneficial and helpful, especially for married couples and understanding, because there are a lot of people who come from lots of different backgrounds and different traditions, even, different ideas and concepts of God. And I think that it does play a major uh, part in the relationship and in how you connect with one another, especially when you're talking about God. And so the fact that you guys are journeying together uh, helps to paint a picture for people who are in the same place. As I've been doing, I've been talking about this concept of the, the mental visualizations that we have of God. When we talk about God, pray about God, or pray to God, when we worship God, when we think about God, I'm I'm just fascinated by this, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you guys, specifically, because you come from such different backgrounds here. Uh, Nate and I have very similar backgrounds, because we come from the same tradition, and Kate has uh, gone through lots of different, I, I would say, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, quite a few. So, that being said, let's let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the mental visualizations of God that we have uh, but we have to go way back, okay, and start talking about just some things to help give us a little foundation, a little bit of background to kind of help uh, start this specific journey here. Um, so, Kate, I want to start with you, and Nate, you just file in whenever, you know, the time is right here. Um, just give us a little bit of background information, like where'd you grow up, uh, what, looking back now, you know, through the lens of Kate, the little girl running around, you know, sitting on Daddy's lap. Uh, What were the times like uh, for you? Tell us a little bit about your family history, etc.
1: Okay. Well, I come from an Irish Catholic family. Originally, my family is all from New York, but I grew up in Denver because my dad was transferred. He's always been a realtor, and he was transferred to Denver in uh, early 90s. I think it was 92. And um, I have to say, even though... Irish Catholic family, my dad grew up Catholic, very, very Catholic, uh, in his early, no late thirties, he and my mom, I wasn't around yet. He and my mom joined the Mormon church. They joined the Mormon church because they enjoyed the structure and the regimented, uh, appeal of what families are and the importance of families in the Mormon church. Um, so they joined that together And then uh, they already had my brother. Then they had my sister. And then I was a a special birth in the Mormon church because my parents were already, quote unquote, sealed in the Mormon temple, meaning that they would be able to go to heaven and uh, a couple other things. I was born, it's called under the covenant. So I was basically like an automatic shoe in to the same benefits that my parents had because they were married in the Mormon temple. Uh, Or sorry, they weren't married in the Mormon temple, but they were sealed in the Mormon temple, which is like doing the marriage ceremony. Um, So I was born under the covenant of the Mormon church. Um, And I grew up in Denver. And Denver, you know, one state over from Utah was a pretty, there's a pretty big Mormon population there. Um, We had a number of regions. They're called stakes, which is, it's S-T-A-K-E. But it's a, you know, grouping of different um they're called wards, which are smaller groupings. So a ward would be like a congregation. A stake is made up of a number of congregations. Um, and the Mormon church was really, it, it really shaped my life growing up in Denver because everything was based around, you know, on Sunday we had our worship service, which was three hours long, um, which I still... <laughs> I mean, Adam, wow. I love when you're like, we're going to get you out of here soon. I'm like, thank goodness. <laughs> Not because I don't want to hear you, but I just have like flashbacks yeah, to three hours, sure. long of three hours of church. Um, so anyway, I mean, my family life. So I explained my my parents. They're still together. They're in their early 70s and have been married for 43, 44 wow, years, yeah. I think. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. I'm yeah. so thankful for that. Um, older brother, he and his wife are actively mormon raising their kids in the mormon church then my sister who is five years older than me is very actively mormon uh she and her husband are well both mormon uh raising their kids in the mormon church and then there's me oh wow the uh <laughs> the well i used to say the little black sheep but no i uh, we will talk through <laughs> that i'm sure um
2: more of a gray sheep now yeah yeah a little so. bit more
1: gray yeah <laughs> Um, but growing up, you know, I had a good, a good safe childhood. Uh, we lived in the suburbs of Denver and, a yeah, nice neighborhood, good schools. Um, you know, our family, we, I I said the Mormon church kind of dictated how we, how I was raised, not just Sundays, but you know, Monday night we had a family night every single Monday night. It was part of the Mormon church and we followed that. And there was a lesson every single week that we had to study as a family and we followed that. And Tuesday or Wednesday night something like that was you know the the kids night and then it turned into youth night when I was a little bit older and what would be kind of like a girl scout group almost it was like a young women's group and it just you know everything on the weekend was related to my young women's activities we would camp together um so we really, you know, if the Mormon Church said you need to do XYZ and have a family night or stop watching TV for a week and have a media fest, we did it. Wow. So yeah. So rule followers for she, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Committed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow. So that's kind of the, the picture if that paints yeah, it well enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. Catholic roots. Uh, how Do you know how far back they go?
1: I think my great grandparents—I know that far back okay. at least—and okay. they, um, they, is it emigrated, 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 um, and then came over to the U.S. And so my grandparents were very Catholic. Okay. Raised seven, because my dad is the oldest of seven children. Okay. Um, all Catholic. My mom is the oldest of three. She actually did kind of the Christmas, Easter thing—not okay. not, not sure. really, yeah—not fully like Protestant, I think, is what, or the Episcopalian is where they okay. used to go. But, okay. Um, but yeah.
0: Wow. All right. So Catholic roots into the Mormon church yep. and uh, growing up in Denver. Mm-hmm. All right. That's right. Okay. So Nate, tell us a little bit about you.
2: Well, I'm actually from here, um, born in Dallas, been here in the great state of Texas with all of its oppressive heat for <laughs> almost 36 years on uh, next Saturday. Uh, grew up Church of Christ, so that you, you were talking earlier about Kind of our background being yeah. similar in a ways. I, I think, you know, the conversations you know I have had before, uh, you may have grown up a little more conservative than I. Oh, no I did. question. But uh, <laughs> I grew up at a church called uh, Saturn Road Church of Christ. My parents still go there. My dad was an elder there for a little, for a time. And growing up there, I, I think it's, it's safe to say that I really, I really loved it. And I loved it because of, the relationships that I had there. I'm still, you know, the best man in my wedding, God, guy that I'm working with, uh, his name's Blake Timmons. You know, we we met there. Uh, just have a lot of friendships from there. And I think that was just a blessing of the size of the congregation and just timing of, of the people that were there more mm-hmm. so than, you know, maybe the doctrine or anything specific like that. But yeah. um, I always knew that there was something well, let me, let me, let me go back a little bit. So in terms of just, you know, understanding what it meant to grow up in that, that denomination, there was always a lot of dividers in terms of, you know, what, what we do and what Mm -hmm. other, other congregate, other denominations don't do. And, you know, you just kind of have this one way of interpreting the Bible. And, and I didn't really, I always wanted to know why I'm, I'm really somebody that always loves to know the why behind things we've talked about this before. And it's, it's shaped a lot of, you know, what we'll probably talk about later on, but there was always something that I continue to question, like even things that I agreed with, or even things that I would profess or, uh, and this is very early on because you got, you know, your, your, your nursery classes when you're two years old, you have your, you know, uh, children's classes and everything is just kind of reinforced and, You know, it's typically, it's a good thing. It's an introduction to God. I mean, as an adult, you know, we talk about, and I'm sure we'll touch on this later, just how our view of God has changed. You you can't just give a three-year-old a a, a view of God that you can't even give an adult, you know? Sure, sure. So I appreciate kind of the the piecemeal version Hmm. of of God that helped me develop um, into, you know, at least pursuing or, or wanting to know more, I guess you could say, but I never much thought, you know, going into my teenage years and, and it was just, you know, I went, we went to church, I uh, had a great family. Uh, my parents are still together, been married 37 years now. I have two sisters, uh, always been close and always been, you know, big family Christmases and birthday celebrations and, uh, just really maintained close relationships from those upbringings. But, um, there, you know, there came a time where I just started realizing that there might be some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that came early on, really, because I think even as, as teenagers, we would get frustrated with our own congregation. But our, our foundation was our relationships with each other. So that was we had a youth group of like 300, which is astronomical <laughs> mm-hmm. comparative yeah. to, you know, other churches of Christ or other churches in general. So that was a huge blessing. And I think that's really what I look back on is from a from a church standpoint as being more I mean we had a, a number of, of great youth ministers, but being more foundational in keeping me rooted in something, even though that has evolved over
0: time. Yeah. So I would say that your 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 experience um, is probably Especially for your time for that time period, you know, part and parcel for typical mainstream mm-hmm. childhood growing up and church in church and its bubble, and you know, and it's, yeah. uh, uh, and it's all all of its. Uh, and it was a pretty big church. I mean, Saturn Road back then was looking. Do you know how it was approaching? I mean, I mean, three hundred kids in a youth group. It was
2: approaching two thousand, I think, roughly. Yeah, so, see, and did. I went. I mean, I went to all the all the retreats and all the mission yeah. trips and all the every you know all the. Wednesday night events, you know, you're there yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, yeah. which speaking of things that didn't occur to think twice about until much later in life, why did we go twice on Sundays? And I've never, <laughs> but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there is a reason for that, I'm sure historically, but. I can tell you that after. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like you said, very typical, yeah. very involved and, and it was great. Like I, I, I miss Sometimes I miss the simplicity of that time. Sure. Because, I mean, you're a kid. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's greatness. So I was very fortunate <laughs> to have that. So even though I, I grew beyond or I am growing beyond certain things, I, I still have that, uh, those relationships as a, as a foundation that I get to take from that time period. Sure. So that was really nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, Kate, by the time you come along, your parents, you know, full throttle... Mormon Church. So essentially, you were born in in the faith, right? Um, you know, didn't have a time before then that you didn't know that there was a God. So, um, give us a little bit of insight into what was that experience like for you growing up in in the church there, and not only from as a you know well, as far back as you can go, but even into you know teen years and maybe how that that evolved.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Nate was just talking about that fan foundation for him being the relationships. Um, I was trying to think, well, what was my foundation? Because it wasn't really relationships with other people. It wasn't really the relationships with family, but it most certainly was not a relationship with God. I didn't okay. even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Never heard the term relationship with God or relational God. Um, the foundation for me, I think, was following the rules. Mm. And I always kind of bucked that because I was forced into it. And I, I mean, Nate can attest to this. Adam, you know me pretty well. You can probably test this too. I just don't, he's (laughs) lifting the mic, he's going to say something. I just don't love being forced into things. I like to have the freedom to choose. And I'm so thankful that as an American living in the U S we can. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I didn't know any other way. And I, uh, but there was just something in my soul that didn't really settle. I mean, I was just kind of always opposed to having to follow so many rules. And some of that is just natural as, you know, the youngest child, traditional family, very, you know, conservative family. Um, in my teenage years, I, um, I was a little rebel, did some things I'm not proud of, which I know a lot of people say that, but, um, but I mean it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I just remember experiencing such guilt and shame anytime I made what I knew was a bad choice, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it was a bad, I knew it was a bad choice because it was against my religion. That was my phrase. I can't do something because it's against my religion. So, you know, I don't drink or I don't smoke because it's against my religion, not because I have thought about it and made the choice, but because someone else has told me, you don't do this. You don't drink caffeine. You don't drink coffee. Um, you know, we don't listen to secular music on Sundays. I didn't even know the term secular, by the way, but we don't listen to secular music on Sundays. We don't, uh, shop or, um, support anyone else working on Sundays. So we won't go out to eat at a restaurant. We won't buy gas unless it's an emergency. You know, if your child is sick, you take them to the ER even if, if it's a Sunday. Um, but it was just a very, like, everything was spelled out for me i If I wanted to follow all those rules, I could just follow them all, and life still wouldn't be easy, but it those choices would be made for me, and I wouldn't have to think about them um so in yeah, so teenage years kind of rebelled a bit and bucked the system, and um I don't know how far you want me to go into um where I went after that, but it. I just. I felt oppressed, and I didn't know that term either. I mean, I'm, I keep saying that, like I didn't know this. I've just obviously, I've had a lot of realizations over the year and um, years. Excuse me, and a lot of growth. Um, I'm still growing and still learning, but I. I think what my soul was feeling was just oppression.
0: Growing up in the Mormon Church, um, you know, you said that. It wasn't this concept of a relationship with God? I mean, this stuff is basically handed to you. I find it interesting that you were feeling, you were feeling or experiencing tapping into the, that thing you were born with, and it's the freedom to choose, right? That you're endowed with by my right. my God, um, but that seemed to be at least at some point. And I think correctly, so, you know, being violated, like you don't have the option, right? Right. But you're feeling that you're not necessarily being able to put the words to that. So as a child growing up from, you know, so what did you think about God? I mean, what was that visualization you had of God? And and where do you think that came from?
1: Well, it came from what the Mormon church told me it looked like. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it was uh, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are three completely separate beings, completely separate beings. There's just no, you know, there's no crossing lines at all. And
2: wait, there's no trinity. I don't think I knew that there's no Trinity concept at all in Mormonism.
1: I don't remember if they refer to it as that. And I mean, they believe in the Bible. There's also the book of Mormon, a Mm -hmm. secondary book, which is very, very heavily, if not more so used than the Bible. Um, So perhaps the term is, Known and used, but the understanding of the definition of tr- of the Trinity is different from how you and I and how North Point sure. knows it yeah. to be. Um, so my image of God, I think, I mean, it was it was a man. You know, I had actually the Mormon Church put out a lot of pictures and publications of. Christ. They wouldn't actually say Jesus unless they were saying Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They called him Christ because they wanted okay. to be very respectful of him and not use the name Jesus, um, which I don't fully understand. But I can try to respect. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, and so there were lots of pictures of Christ on the walls of the churches and um, in the books that we were to read through and the family lesson plans that we had for the week. And there were always kind of this, you know, middle-aged greek looking man who you know had clouds behind him and long flowy robes and he had he was quite attractive he had brown hair and green eyes and a beard and i mean i think a lot of people picture jesus like that or mm-hmm. christ like that mm-hmm. but that was just the epitome of what i thought jesus mm-hmm. was looked like embodied etc God, you know, a picture kind of the same, but with white hair instead, and a white robe instead. <laughs> sure. Because sure. uh, he's older. Right. Exactly. Naturally. Exactly. Because he's, yeah, exactly. Um, and the Holy Spirit, I mean, I don't know that I had an image, and I, I'm, I need to think about it more. I'm not sure what my image is yeah. now. I mean, it's more of a something I feel versus sure.
0: see. Sure. So, uh, specifically, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, was the Holy Spirit referred to as an it? a he or a she do you he. remember a he okay so he. all he's yes. they're all they're all he's okay yes. um so was god angry
1: when i did something wrong absolutely yeah. um otherwise i think i understood that god could be loving but it was more so i felt like you know big brother is watching it was that kind of like sure. oh i better not mess up i mean i i even remember this is probably just being a kid, thinking that once my grandfather passed away, I was about 12 or so, I was like, oh, better not, you know, make my mom mad or upset my mom because my grandfather will be watching and know, and I don't know if that's actually true, and I don't think so, but that's how I thought about God just always watching, like, ready for me to mess up or do the next, you know, make the next poor choice instead of what i believe now
0: do you feel like god had someone who had to be you had to appease him to constantly be in his good graces if you will
1: yes the the way that i was raised was very much um it was works based and you had to do certain things to be in good standing not only with god but with the lds church for example in order to uh to be able to go into the temple, which, you know, the most ideal thing in the Mormon church is to be married in the temple and to be able to go there, you have to be interviewed by your bishop, who is a human, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he will determine if you are worthy enough to go into the temple or not. So okay. there was, it was appeasing my parents, appeasing my religious instructors, appeasing okay. the bishop at the church, and of course, appeasing God.
0: Yeah. Wow, okay, it's so funny because there's so much about what you've just said that is mirrors my own experience growing up, and my church was super, super conservative mm-hmm. um, and even up to uh, the concept of and I don't know if I was taught this or if it's just the way that I you know perceived it or felt like how I could actually understand it, but like for instance, like with the Trinity. Um, I felt like, or for some, I don't know where it came from, but it was there. Three separate persons, mm-hmm. right? Um, but so much more about what you said there. It just it parallels. It really mirrors. Um,
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, different, I have different corners flashbacks. of the world and yeah. different religions. Yeah,
0: like so weird. That is so wow. But that I think there's some commonalities there and the roots there with. And uh, you know that we could we can pull out and understand why. And there's certain approaches, I think, certain perspectives of things. You know, uh, and so Nate, you know, you you too grew up in in the in faith. I mean, you always knew that there was a God. Tell us about your experiences growing up in the Great Saturn Road.
2: Well, like I, you know, I mentioned earlier, it, it was a it, it was a, a great experience looking back because. Of, of what came out of it from a, from a friendship standpoint and a relationship standpoint. But I also think that it, 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 if you, you know, looking back now, if I could say, well, what I wanted to have grown up knowing about God or not knowing, but well, obviously I would choose knowing that God exists and getting some foundation, even though, you know, I, I've grown and I don't say this arrogantly, but if we're not growing beyond what we started with, I think we're just kind of stagnant. So I, mm-hmm. I, I proudly say that I've grown beyond what my initial concepts were. Um, But, you know, I remember one of the things, you know, growing up in the Church of Christ, you know, we believe that, um, or the Church of Christ believes, that's a whole nother story of where I'm at right now, but (laughs) Church of Christ believes in baptism for Mm -hmm. salvation. And I don't know that we have time to get into all that on this particular podcast, but, you know, so it was a big deal, you know, once I got to a certain age, which was, 14 for me. And apparently I was w- longer than a lot of people. Cause I remember that pressure and it was loving pressure. It wasn't, sure. I mean, it was nothing, you know, it wasn't condemning. It was just like, it was out of love. And, and it was, it was the right thing to do actually. But I just remember, well, I'm, <laughs> I haven't thought about this in years. One of my grandparents, friends who still alive, um, her husband died in 97. They used to. He was the song leader at our church um, back in the day. And just a wonderful family. She actually, t- just her, took me to lunch one day at the old Furs Cafeteria. This is back when it was good and not disgusting.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if it was ever really all oh, that it good. it was.
2: It really was. <laughs> the atmosphere is terrible, but food was good. And she just had this conversation with me, you know, about just kind of asking me, because It's just kind of what you did. She was close enough to my family, my grandparents, and and then I remember going. We went to a a camp. um, It was HEB camp, It's down by the Frio River, like a beautiful, beautiful camp. And I went there as a camper, and went, you know, and I think it was my eighth grade year. Came back from there and just kind of realized that okay, well, I guess there's no reason why I shouldn't be baptized anymore. Uh, So I I did it, and it was, it was a good feeling. I mean, Mm -hmm. but. Again, it was just something you did, mm-hmm. and I felt like I remember we went to went to lunch afterwards, and my my only thought was okay,
0: I'm sinless. <laughs> this is pretty sweet. Did you feel like you were a man? Yeah, at that I, point, I kind
2: of just like, well, and you know nothing. There was no like white light or just very uncomfortable baptism clothes, and I came out of the water, and I I, I mean hugged my dad. There's pictures of it. I mean, it's a beautiful moment. But I remember thinking, and every, you know, everyone comes down, you get to take communion for the first time, and oh, it yeah. was really, really exciting. But I'm like, all right, well, better try not to screw up now. <laughs> so that lasted about a day and a half. And then it was like, well, what do you do now?
0: Right, right. So. Uh, I didn't make it 30 minutes, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny because I remember walking down into the font. Thing, I have a different story about like how and when I got baptized. But walking down into the font, thinking, is there anything else I can do right now before I get baptized? Before. Like, is uh, there anything else I can do to yeah. get away with before I get baptized? Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: and I yeah, that's pretty funny. And you know, cause so we we always had, and you've heard these stories, these debates on baptism. You know, well, what if someone dies on the oh, way to yeah, getting baptized? Yeah, and yeah. you know, were they, but it was it was still. Not not as strict as what you grew up, and certainly not as as, as conservative as is Kate, but there was still even at Saturn Road that was probably middle of the road, I would say it yeah. leaned a little more conservative than some uh, it was still recognized by other churches as a Church of Christ, <laughs> so that's when you know you've really gone off the rails quote unquote <laughs> um, but just a lot of you know this is what we do, uh, this is how we do it, and but I think there was something in our group, and that I'm just thinking about this now, that allowed us to question things.
0: Oh, so there's some freedom there.
2: Yeah, like most of the edicts from on high, and I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes here, which you can't see, but uh, those were more doctrinally developed. And I, I don't even want to say they came from my parents, because Dad has always been someone... We see things differently in certain ways now, but he's also been a a, a, a studier and a pursuer yeah. of truth and, some, and a questioner and always been way beyond whatever the current hermeneutic is for a particular you know the church he was in, um, even from an early age. So I, I got a lot of that from him, but I think there's just general edicts and expectations from the church, and you see that when the worship service doesn't go right or something happens that's not— In the Bible, you know, again, air quotes, but um, but I think you know, thinking back in the youth group, we were a, we always had kind of existential conversations like you and I have had, and that's I think that's where I developed kind of a healthy appreciation for conversation and just questioning and and diving into those more serious issues and just trying to figure out I mean, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? So yeah, um. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at there where where I was at there yeah, at that time. Yeah.
0: So what uh what was your as far as you can look back anyway. I mean, what would you think about God? What was that mental visualization you had? That image. Um I you know, it's
2: funny cuz I I knew that you were going to ask some of these questions, so I've been trying to think through it, but I don't know that I had I mean, sure I I've seen the it's hard to avoid thinking about the Grandpa Sistine Chapel vision of God and the white, the old white haired man, and because you see that depicted in art, sure, and yeah, it's
0: the even Indian, yeah, sure. even
2: people that are making fun of God, that's how they depict him, you know, yeah. Family Guy episodes, right. <laughs> <things like that. laughs> so which I don't really blame them for, honestly. Um, so there, were, that was there, but I don't know that I adopted that. There was an aspect of of love that I, I've always had, but I think the most limiting thing about God that I put on was more of a picture of heaven, and and we can get into the the Trinity in a moment. But I, I just <laughs> I remember sitting in our old worship center or whatever we called it at the time, auditorium, I think, sanctuary. Uh, it's Saturn road. Like, so this would have been like late eighties or very, very early nineties. And if you ever, I don't know if you've ever just been sitting long enough and you, you think so deeply that you start looking around and be like, is, am I really here right now?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's kind of a weird, it's like an out of body yeah. experience, which is strange for a nine year old. But, and I would, I would have this concept of eternity because you know, you have this, Oh, we get to be with God for eternity. And as a nine- year- old you're like, okay, cool eternity great And then I remember thinking about it forever and then after that there's some more time and yeah. then some more time and then in fact there's no time at all yeah but I started thinking okay well, what does that look like? And I had a picture of heaven and it wasn't I mean it was kind of clouds mm-hmm. kind of your typical clouds but and then there were people you know I think we you and I've talked about this before. You know, we're, oh, we're just going to get to sing praises to God forever and ever. And I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I mean, I want to sing, pra- but I, like, and I had this vision of, so church, or I mean, heaven to me was this, another auditorium, another sanctuary <laughs> yeah. that was actually the sanctuary of my grandparents' church in North Carolina, the Friendly Avenue oh. Church of Christ. Very, very formal pews, nice red velvet carpet, beautiful building. They've, they've turned it into a fellowship hall since then, but like, I just, I don't know why, but that's what it was. And there was, so heaven was, and I I think this is in in explaining this, this, I guess kind of shows what my view of heaven was just what you wanted to get to so you could escape the other place. So even though heaven wasn't particularly appealing to me because I didn't understand it and not that there's not a lot to be d- discovered about heaven, even scripturally, but we, it's funny that we never really talked about it. Yeah. It was just, how do you get there and how do you not go here to the other place? you know? So it was a very depressing view sure. of heaven, which I guess limited my view of God. I never. I don't think I ever saw God as angry, and probably part of that was, you know, due to my parents. Like they, I had a great relationship with them. I didn't have a. I mean, my father and I disagreed, and we yelled at each other from time to time. But I never. I didn't have an angry, abusive parents or anything like that, um, which I know could influence people's views of God. But I think it was just extremely. Well, I know it was now extremely limited. Where God was just, he was there, he loved me, and I wanted to please him, but also really just wanted to please him for for a purpose, and that purpose was to, because the plan is, you know, you're born, you become a Christian, you get baptized, you don't go to hell, and you get to go to heaven and sing songs out of the hymnal for eternity, (laughs) which... Thank God, literally, that that's not the reality. But sure. so, yeah, that was that's just kind of my earliest. Now, it it evolved a lot pretty quickly. Okay, but strangely, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about heaven until I read some books like much later on in life, within the last five years.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Um, did you say that that was pretty much your standard take up and through your teens?
2: At least, yeah, at least at least on heaven. I know that I think for a lot of people, myself included, it was always easier to ad- identify with Jesus because in some sense, I think that's the purpose because, I mean, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Sure. So it was, and no one had ever seen God. Mm-hmm. So that was intentional. But in our minds, in our... Dualistic, and I guess in terms of the Trinity, triolistic, for lack of a better word, we we compartmentalize God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I, we didn't spend any time thinking about the Spirit. Spirit was just something that was there. You read about it. Right. Hopefully, it showed up and did some things in the background. Sure. And you received it when you got baptized, even though no one knew what that meant. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I guess I I, I always. Because I couldn't see them as one, but separate, you know, three, three, one being three separate persons, Mm -hmm. but you know, however you, however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. I still saw Jesus. I almost saw like a hierarchy in a sense. So there's God, there's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit is like, got the short end of the stick. And then he, he and or she is just floating around like the wind doing things that no one ever talks about unless you're Pentecostal. And then it gets really weird. That was my yeah, that was and I'm speaking of how I would have thought then. I don't think that now, but I think yeah, I think all of it. You know, I I, I struggled somewhat with the you know the quote Old Testament God, mm-hmm. which you know in my later years, having read that, I, I'm realizing now that those were people's words struggling with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's sure. certainly that's not meant to be a perfect picture of God at the same time. So that's always been very encouraging ever since I started kind of thinking through that. But I've always I've always trusted God. I've always known that God is loving and in and in control and you know I've I've never had a hard time you know going to him in moments of need or or sadness or sorrow. My struggle has always been just deeper relationship. Okay. And and only lately, you know, cause I, I went, I saved my dark period to after college before my, well, between colleges, I should say, yeah. you, Kate, you talked about yours in your teen years, but mine was between like Oh two and Oh nine or 10. But during that time it was always, you know, you sin, you mess up. And then there was this, okay, I gotta, I gotta fix this. I gotta yeah. get, gotta get right, you know? Yeah. And so that was always kind of hanging over my head.
0: Yeah. And God was angry?
2: More disappointed. disappointed. Okay. Because I knew he. Would, I mean, I knew he loved me. I knew he would forget. It. Yeah, I. Don't, I never. I never got like God was over there like just waiting to smite me, okay. which is good. That was yeah. probably helpful for me. Yeah. But yeah. Still, some people were going to hell, and I got to figure out how to not be one of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> sure.
0: Sure. Okay. Okay, so then, uh, Kate, growing up in the Mormon Church, there's, as you would describe it now, you know, the feeling of of some some sense of oppression. There was, you know, not much of a relationship on various levels, I would say, with God or people, necessarily, uh, that would kind of hold you there it's all about really rule keeping things like that is that accurate yes let's get into those teen years things are evolving for you Mm -hmm. right from teens so let's talk about a little bit about you know how this i would like to call it a transition as it were that, that you know the journey you took from teens into your 20s and so forth um let's talk a little bit about that uh what what happened what what that looked like for you what was your image of god um, during these times, I guess maybe, maybe more so when you, you know, coming out of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So although I had, I think it was kind of my early years of high school that were really my quote unquote, my bad years, but I remember my senior year of high school being what we would say now on fire for the Mormon church. Um, I started to I guess I started to believe it a little bit. And I think what happened was I had those dark years, made those bad choices and realized, okay, that's not working for me. So I have this structure that looks like it's working for other people. So I'm going to give it a try. And I remember that year, my senior year, I had, um, I had a boyfriend who was, just kind of interested, like didn't really believe in God. His family didn't believe in God. They didn't, they didn't believe in, you know, heaven or hell. It was just like, they didn't really think about it. And so I remember really wanting this boyfriend to know what I believed. And so he started meeting with the Mormon missionaries and, um, wound up getting baptized and we didn't really talk about baptism. I can go back if we need to, um, in fact, actually, I will because it's probably important to paint the picture. Yeah. Um, in the LDS Church, if you are, you know, any family who joins the church, if they have kids, when a child turns eight, they automatically need to get baptized. I mean, you okay. you could say, "I don't want my child to be baptized right now," but you would completely be ostracized, maybe behind closed doors and not openly. Um, but it would just. You know, that's just not what you do sure. as opposed that you'd say sure. you know, you're know, you eight years old. This is what you do when you're eight. It's like your rite of passage into your, you know, your, the rest of your childhood. And so I was baptized when I was eight. And after my baptism, I had the laying on of hands and I received the Holy Spirit. And in the, the Mormon church, the Holy Spirit is very active. Okay. Um, I remember a lot of times almost... I I think now I'm realizing I was praying to the Holy Spirit Mm. to try to say, you know, guide me, help me with this decision as opposed to praying to, um, to God or to Jesus about that. Anyway. So after my baptism, I received the Holy Spirit and had that, you know, throughout my teen years and probably avoided worse situations in my teen years because I had this companion of the Holy Spirit that protected me from, Um, from various things. And so this boyfriend of mine was uh, meeting with the Mormon missionaries, took the, there's like a certain amount of lessons. I don't remember. I think it's six lessons before you have the choice to get baptized yourself. And so he, he went ahead and um, was baptized and had the laying on of hands and he got, received the Holy spirit. And then afterwards he said to me, I didn't feel anything. Hmm. Like I don't feel any different. Yeah. And my thought, I mean, I was appalled because I had felt the Holy Spirit and I Mm -hmm. knew that this was the true church. Every other church is wrong. I was so adamant, like I was in my zone. So he said, "I, I just don't feel any different. Like, I don't think there's anything to this. And at that time, he asked me, actually, it wasn't like that day. It was probably a couple weeks later as we continued to talk about this, because you know, we had a, it was a very healthy relationship, and he was a good friend, and I thought we were in this for the long haul, and so we kept talking about, and I, I knew like, oh, if he's not Mormon, I'm not going to marry him. This is not going to work unless he joins the Mormon Church, and there was just no way. And I remember he said to me, this was kind of the the pivotal moment that really started to to swing things for me. He said, "What if you tried things my way?" And he didn't mean that in a like you know come over to the dark side. It was sure. just like, what if what if Mormonism is wrong or just wasn't in the picture and you just watched football on Sundays and you know, that was very much not what we did because we were not allowed to watch TV on Sundays. Um, But you just didn't go to church and didn't think about it and didn't talk about it. And I remember once again being appalled that he suggested, what if you just tried things my way and you know, didn't go to church and weren't part of that. And it, so, obviously, as you know, I'm married tonight. That relationship did not work out. <laughs> Probably <laughs> be, partly because of those things and, you know, just grew up, grew apart. Um, but that set a seed for me. I am definitely a product of seeds. And so I take the, the scriptures very seriously that talk about faith like a mustard seed mm-hmm. and, um, you know, setting seeds on stone versus on land that's ready for harvest. Um, and that was just kind of the beginning of the journey where in the first couple of years of college, I actually the first semester of college, I was still, I still wanted to be active in the Mormon church. It was a way to meet people the very first year. Um, Of course I was only going to meet the guys. I mean, that's really (laughs) what I was doing. Um, And then second year of college, I started to just stop believing in the Mormon church. And it wasn't that anything, there wasn't like, a glaring moment where I said no more, I'm done. I'm cutting this off. I just, I think I just had a perspective change and realized, you know, I had this oppression, what I thought was oppression, didn't know what to call it. And then I like hardcore believed it was all in. And neither of those things really felt like they were working for me. Okay. Neither of those things felt like they were right in my soul. Mm hmm. So like I said, I was kind of nothing for a couple of years, meaning like wasn't going to church. I still believed that God existed and I probably prayed to God during those times, but I was not actively pursuing uh, knowledge or, you know, trying to better myself in a spiritual way. I was just going to college. And I mean, not, you know, those weren't dark years for me, except for the fact that I didn't have God in my life the way I could have. Yeah. Um, and so later in college, I, I mean, I didn't really actually didn't really date in college, uh, because I think I was just confused as to what type of partner I would want if they were religious or not. It was about religion to me, not about spirituality or relationship with God. It was about what religion somebody is. And, uh, I remember, I remember late, like after college dating someone whose mom, he was, uh, he was Baptist, his mom and dad were Baptist. Um, and she set a seed in me. And I remember she would ask like, are you praying? Are you reading your scriptures? I'm like, or she didn't say, sorry, not the scriptures. She'd say, are you reading your Bible? I was like, I don't even have a Bible anymore. Like I don't, I'm not (laughs) reading. I'm not praying. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to college or I could think I was out. I was just working and doing nothing. Um, and she would always, this was when texting was like brand new <laughs> and she would always text me Bible verses. The interesting thing about this story is that she was, um, very severely abused by her husband hmm. and it was just a, a, a terrible relationship. It was, um, something, you know, the boyfriend and I, we didn't stay together for very long. Um, but we would talk about and there was something that said to me, how can this lady who has bruises on her face and bruises on her heart and her soul, how can she text me Bible verses mm-hmm. and how can she believe in this God who loves her and she believes he will deliver her from this when she's going through that and yet she's got this strong faith to send me Bible verses. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just that's one of the seeds, one of really the three seeds that kind of led me to God. But that was um at that point I started to think about God again. Okay. And went to church with their family a couple times to a Baptist church. And when I heard someone clap in church for the first time, I almost fell (laughs) off of the pew. I thought it was so like I thought it was so disrespectful because that's what I was taught that you sure, are quiet sure. like a mouse in the sanctuary because you want to be respectful to God. And so, you know, people are saying amen and they're clapping and I'm like, <gasps> they're going <laughs> to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: So tell me just yeah. Okay, when you when you talked about um that time period where you just You had this sense that the way things were just wasn't right for you, uh, wasn't working. Um, At that point in your life, what did you think about God?
1: I knew He was there. I think I didn't want to pay attention.
0: Okay, okay.
1: I think there's something that shifted in me to somehow realize that he was probably less angry than I thought growing up, Mm -hmm. but because I was not pursuing church or reading the Bible or praying really, or, you know, it didn't really even have spiritual mentors in my life at that time. I didn't have anything to either expand that, Version of Mm -hmm. my vision of God or to dissuade it to, you know, maybe I was wrong about that. But I think it just, in the back of my head, I believed that there was a God and He was the creator of the universe and uh, I did just didn't want to give it much thought. I think I was just busy being selfish and self-centered in college. Right. Sure, sure,
0: sure. And so then, you know, some time passes and there's some seeds that are planted and uh, your attention begins to be, you know, caught, if you will, um, you know, talk a little bit more about that. So you have, you talked about three seeds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: So I'll, I'll breeze through the, the next two, but when my attention was caught, that's my favorite part of my story. Um, the second seed, and I, I say these three separate seeds because they were years apart in different States of the U.S. I mean, I was in different places in my life, different jobs. And yet I knew that like, there was a calling from God. So that was the first uh, with the, um, the ex-boyfriend's mom who sent me Bible verses. And the second, I was working in law enforcement at the time. A lot of people don't know. I have a sociology, uh, degree and sociology, criminology worked in law enforcement for a little bit. And I remember passing a colleague in the hall one day, she worked in a different building Mm -hmm. and I, she was just, positive energy. I really looked up to her because she just had this glow to her. Yeah. Passed her in the hallway one day and she had a, a handwritten note on a piece of paper and it was a radio station. And she said, This is for you, Caitlin. And she said, This is a spiritual a positive, uplifting radio station that I listen to when things are hard or when I'm in a sad mood. And I never tuned into the radio station, but I think I was just awestruck that she worked in a totally different building and yet she knew she was going to see me in that hall at that moment. And she had that handwritten piece of paper for me. So it was more about that act yeah, than what yeah. was on the paper. Right. Um, had I listened to that radio station at the time, I probably would have thought the music was blasphemous because it wasn't, <laughs> you know, the Mormon tabernacle choir or right. yeah, music yeah. with a, you know, with a harp or with a piano. Okay. So the third seed, um, quickly. I was in a Walmart store walking down the shaving cream aisle and this lady was walking towards me. Didn't know her. I have never seen her since. She had a cross necklace on. And in the Mormon church, we do not, we did not wear crosses. We did not put crosses on our wall. It put too much emphasis on the, the miserable side of what the savior went through for Mm -hmm. us. And it was um the Mormon church would rather focus on the r- the rising of Christ the you know coming again as opposed to or sorry the the being risen from the dead as opposed to what happened on the cross so for this cross necklace to stand out to me was bizarre because you know I'd seen plenty of cross necklaces before and it just wasn't you know nothing nothing that didn't matter before mm-hmm. but there was something about this lady And she was just covered in what I know now to be the Holy Spirit. And she knew God. I I guarantee that she had a relationship with God. And remember, that was still not a term for me. Mm -hmm. But there was something so spiritual about her. And I told myself, I, I stopped in my tracks when I saw her and I said, that woman has something that I want. Yes. And so then I started going to a Baptist church. I was living in Arizona at the time and I realize I'm skipping, but some of the details aren't a big deal. So I was living in Arizona, going to a Southern Baptist church and, and I loved it. I mean, it was a great pastor. I really connected with him. Um, there was one girl my age and so I connected with her as a friend. It was a small town in Arizona and I remember sitting. So you're talking about attention. Like my attention was being, um, was being caught by God. So I remember sitting in my pastor's office saying, Hey, I, I need to know more about this saved thing. Like, how do I get saved? And yet, like if I get saved and then I make a I have a sin or, you know, do something wrong. Like, how does that work? Am I still saved? I just didn't understand. It, it was mm-hmm. not a concept I'd, I'd heard growing up. And I told him I was raised Mormon. He said, Oh, I lived in Saint George, Utah, for a number of years, and I was a, a you know a Southern Baptist pastor in Utah. So I know a lot of Mormons who left the Mormon Church and and became you know got saved and became Baptist or went to another church. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am in the middle of nowhere in this tiny town in the desert, and this pastor sitting across from me knows my background, mm-hmm. and that is when I started to really see God again because okay, I felt yeah. so seen. Sure,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That's beyond irony, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, Totally.
1: Wow. And so it was in conversation with him that he said, look, you have been, this was the the one moment, I'd never heard this before, this was the moment that really changed things for me. He said, you have been, you've spent 20-something years, I think I was probably, gosh, 23, 24 at the time, you've spent 24 years of your life following rules. You have been in a rule based religion. I want to teach you about a relationship with God. Okay. And I mean it blew my mind because I'd literally never put those words together before. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just I mean I'd say I was all in. I was skeptical and you know, yeah. it took time, but I was there was something in my soul that said this is it. Like mm-hmm. we're here. We've yeah. arrived. Let's keep going.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So Nate you know, so so Kate, this is this would be your in your twenties at this mm-hmm. point, right? Um, so Nate, take us up to speed to this point in your life where you're about where we stopped with Kate here in your twenties, I guess. When well, you graduated college, so how many years ago? Four.
2: I graduated in 2013. 2013, okay. But I originally attempted college in 2002. Oh yeah, that's true. Right, right, right. Uh, so was, take us through this time then,
0: man. Help us understand where's Nate at during this time, and what's man, Nate's perspective on God.
2: Nate Nate might be the uh, the child kid, of Satan, the kid oh. that demanded his father's <laughs> inheritance and right. went off into the far country. Although strangely, that it's interesting because you know. It was during that time frame that I actually started working at North Point for a short, mm-hmm. you know, earlier mm-hmm. in 2006, and I still had nothing together, yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, it's strange looking back on a certain time of your life and just wondering, like, it's a blur. Like, what, sure. what were you doing? Yeah, and yet I was still, you know, I, I was I was still attending church most of the time. I mean, when I, I lived, I lived at home different periods. I had, you know, my own place one time with a guy that I met at IHOP. Don't never, <laughs> don't ever do that. It
0: was a, never would have thought to it, do that. <laughs> it was,
2: it was the weirdest thing ever. And that's a whole the story. But I, but you know, there was, there was something always pulling me back to going to church Okay, for the yeah. most part. And I think it was the relationships with the people, which I've talked about already, but I don't know that. I think I just didn't put much thought into it at all. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Because I was, you know, I've always been a very relational person, which also led me to be in relations with people, with friends that weren't necessarily... Not bad people, just not...
0: Not healthy for you. Not healthy, yeah,
2: exactly. So, yeah, I haven't even thought about that time period. The only thing... The things that I think about from that time period was all the things that I did wrong and poorly. Um but I do remember specifically, you know, after one such event, I had I, gone back, was visiting my parents' church for some reason, and I went into the, the, the youth center there that I helped kind of build, honestly, like physically build, and kind of had a, a big part of my upbringing. And I remember feeling guilty for, you know, where I was, and I remember we were singing the song, Created Me. Um, and I just remember like bawling and because I knew, and at that point, you know, I, I still hadn't reconciled. And if you can ever, you know, fully reconcile, like what heaven and and all that looks like, but I still hadn't dealt with that picture, but I saw God, I knew, I knew I, I had to be in a relationship or a better relationship with him. And I felt this love and forgiveness but it was still a, it was because I had gone to him,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which was comforting. Cause I mean, I did, I never, I don't know that I ever saw God pursuing me unless it was pursuing me to, you know, tell me that I was screwing up. Um, so when I made that, you know, just that weird moment, we were just seeing, you know, creating me a clean heart, cast me not away from your presence. And I just remember Feeling like everything was going to be okay, even though I was still terrified in a sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But, yeah, it, it's, it was still, it was still this because I had acted mm-hmm. that God would act. Okay. And yeah. not the other way around.
0: All right, guys, that's going to do it for part one of my conversation with Nate and Kate. I hope that you've enjoyed this window into this sacred space that we had. And I pray that uh, you would benefit from this conversation be looking forward to part two coming out uh, and probably next Monday, early next Monday morning. And uh, as always, if you've benefited from this, you know someone else who might benefit from it, please share this and join us next time as we continue to explore becoming more like Jesus from the inside out.